Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. All right, everybody, we are back. Hello, hello. How are you, Samantha? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing well. Guys, we have a special guest on today. Gabrielle is with us. I am really excited for this conversation. But a little bit of backstory. I've started following Gabrielle on social media randomly through after attending If Gathering. If you guys know what that is, it's a nonprofit organization and just like a ministry put on and founded by Jenny Allen. We've talked about her on our podcast before, but through that found Gabrielle. Can't really remember how, but here we are. And now we're interviewing. She is a Gen Z young gal who loves Jesus, loves God's word, and is really passionate about sharing the gospel. By by calling her a young gal, I feel like that makes us sound very old. We're still in our 20s, Christian. You're making us sound like almost elderly. Mature. women okay you're a young gal yeah you are a young well, gal hi hi gabrielle hey this is such a blessing i am just encouraged to get to have this conversation with y'all and just super honored that y'all would invite me on yeah thanks for coming oh, on yeah we're honored to have you so seriously we've heard a little bit about like who you are and what you're doing currently but why don't you tell us all just a bit about your life about your background a little bit and then like where are you at right now what does life look like for you Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 20 years old. I graduated high school in 2020, which makes that makes me feel like a baby baby. Yes. But I grew up in Minnesota. So right outside the Twin Cities and grew up in a a family that loves Jesus a lot. Bible believing parents who taught us God's word from a young age. And I would say grew up pretty like legalistic myself, just pharisaical, I think is the best way to put it. Self-righteous, knew a lot. Wouldn't say it was until eighth grade that I like really turned my life to Jesus and became like completely captivated by the person of Jesus Christ. And yeah, that was a moment where Jesus became not just like someone who could save me from sin and save me from condemnation, but a God who was Lord as well. And kind of just a moment of like, hey, if if he's actually Lord, then like everything else in my life has to bow. And so I grew up in a, a public school. And so when I turned my life to Lord in eighth grade, there was just this like immediate hungering for God's word and immediate desire to tell people about Jesus. Like I, I just think from a young age was that crazy girl who like knew the gospel and had to tell everyone about it because I just like the reality of, my friends not knowing Jesus and not experiencing life to the full and spending eternity without him, like that terrified me. So yeah, fell in love with the gospel and with ministry in high school, really prayed about what to do after high school and just didn't, I guess, come to a conclusion that college was the next step of faithfulness for me. And so I moved right out of high school to Dallas, Texas to do this like one year institute program through Watermark Church, where we just got a year of studying our Bibles and being equipped for local church ministry. And that was the year that I would say, like, I just fell in love with what God intends to do through local church. And I had done like events and conferences and things like this, like podcasts. I had done that kind of since my junior year of high school and saw a lot of 
like flashiness and fluff (laughs) in all of that, that didn't always mirror the heart of God. And what I found really being a part of a local body like Watermark was just that that was the primary way that God intended to reach the world. And there was no other place I wanted to invest my gifts and to pour out and to give to. And so that's what led me to Harris Creek where I'm at now in Waco, Texas, where I get to serve on staff there and really just love on college students and yeah, be a part of what God's doing in the church. So it's been a whirlwind, but I love what you said in the beginning. Like if there's anything I want people to know about me, it's that I really love God and I love God's word and am passionate about people coming to know him. That's awesome. That's me. I love that in your story too, from the very beginning, you just had such a passion for like sharing the gospel. And like, I know that sounds so, well, duh, obviously, but I do feel like I feel that in the Christian world today of like a lot of people we're hearing from. It's like, you want to share, like you were saying, a lot of that fluff. You like, you want to share a lot of good words that kind of like elevate that person more than the gospel itself. And so I love that we can see that like weave through your story from eighth grade to now where that is still the central part. And probably again, why you feel so connected to the local church where you can like sit down face to face with young college girls and like meet them where they are and help them understand that. And I do think that's where like you can listen to great podcasts all day. We can listen to amazing teachers and I think God is using them in a amazing ways. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, who's going to show up at your door when you're walking through those hard things? And, you know, who's going to push you to something greater when you're walking down hard paths? So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I just think we like live in a culture that loves like people. We love something that we can like physically touch and feel to tie our faith too. And I think that's really attractive. I mean, I fall into that too. Like I'm like, no, I'd rather have something really tangible that I can see and touch and feel that brings me comfort and brings me peace. But I just think it's awesome where, yeah, we're kind of living in a cultural moment right now where that's way more attractive and flashy than, no, actually like you're going to read this book and you're going to get to know this person that you actually can't see, but he is like created you and he like made you this way. And he is like full of so much goodness, but you like have to read this book and like build a relationship with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I just love that. Yeah, which takes that. work. And yeah. like, I think that's where I, I can see a lack too with my generation is there's been a lack of just like an authentic pursuit after the holiness of God. Like I think of First Timothy, I want to say it's four seven, where it just talks about like training yourself for godliness. And even like that train aspect, it's like gosh, it's, it's so much easier to scroll through Instagram and just like see a bunch of really Instagrammable quotes and flashy things and like think that you're being fed by that. But to actually like pursue the character of God and to like train yourself for holiness and be in God's word and be equipped and be discipled, like that takes work. And I, I think I'm afraid that we just like our faith just isn't worth it enough to us to like actually pursue that. And so I think that's where I've seen a gap too with, with my generation is like, we'd much rather be fed the fluff. And yet then there's like a sweet, sweet remnant that is chasing after the holiness of God. And so I think that gets me excited too, that the Lord will continue to preserve a people that are running after him, even in a culture where 
where the majority aren't. So there's hope. There is <laughs> hope. There is hope. The and that's kind of messed up too. Oh gosh. So. Yeah, for sure. I think that's interesting though too, because it's like you were saying with that fluffiness, it only can go so deep. So it's like, yeah, that's sustainable and that can kind of keep us afloat in our faith when life is kind of going the way we want it to. But when we're faced in those really low moments, it's like, well then who is God? We don't really know him the way that we're supposed to in the good and the bad, because if we're just getting the fluff, like we only believe him to be a certain way and then what does that mean he is when he's not that you know or like when life circumstances aren't that what does that say about this God we formed our mind around when we're not really getting to know him in the full spectrum so I've always had to come back to like a few truths I will always hold to it's these that God is holy that he is good that his word is true And because of those three things that he can be trusted. And that has like anchored me in my faith. Like if I believe God is is good and no one else is good like God and that he is holy and no one else is holy like God and that his word is true, then I can trust him even when life feels hard, even when I don't understand, even when life is good, like whatever the, the circumstance might be, which is why we have to like have a theology about God that is sure and is foundational and is unchanging. And so I'm encouraged that, that you even brought that up because it transforms our faith. Yeah. Those are such good thoughts. So like speaking of kind of fluffy and flashy things right now, a flashy word around Christianity is deconstruction right now. This idea that people are like taking what they used to know or taking what they maybe say like, yeah, even I thought this last week, but I'm kind of like deconstructing this. I'm taking foundations that my truth were built upon and really picking them apart. What are your thoughts about this? I'm sure you've been a part of conversations of people doing this. Yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I think there's a part of me that's like really saddened by it and also just not shocked. Like the narrative from Genesis to Revelation is like sinful people doing what is right in their own eyes and pursuing like their own agenda and deconstructing like orthodox things that we know to be true about God. Like even those things we just talked about, like the goodness, holiness of God and the truth of his word. Like ultimately those are the things that are being attacked in culture right now, which is why people don't trust God. And it's why they don't trust God's word because they're attacking these like orthodox truths about the character and nature of God and the nature of his word. So I'm not shocked because like, we just know lawlessness is a part of our sin nature and it's only going to continue, but I think it's dangerous. I think, I think really there needs to be like a, a narrative shift of like what it looks like for us to like, just get back to the basics of our faith and like hold these truths high and say like as a people, as a church, as a generation that like we will stand on the authority of God's word and we will not move from it. And I think that's what's anchoring me in this season. Like if I, if I really believe that scripture has been breathed out by the Holy spirit himself, like if I believe that to be true, then there isn't room for I think the lies of culture and the lies of the enemy. So I think 
there's an extent to this like deconstruction trend that is like fundamentally like demonic. And that, that probably sounds intense, but I think Satan is using it to really confuse the church and confuse believers. And so of course there's probably things about like cultural Christianity or like an American Christianity that isn't, true to the nature and the person of Jesus. And those things, like, I think are maybe worth deconstructing if you want to use the word. But I think as a church, like, we just have to get back to, like, what is the way of Jesus? Like, let's look at the person of Jesus. Let's know God's word. Let's be yielded to the spirit and discern, like, who is Jesus? What is he actually like? And if any lie we've believed in in culture doesn't mirror the person in the heart of Jesus we see outlined in scripture, then like we have to throw it out. And so, yeah, I think it's dangerous. And yet I'm not, I'm not discouraged because like God is going to continue to be sovereign over this and he's going to continue to have authority over it. And he is going to continue to save and reconcile and restore and the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And so that like, that's just where my hope is in the midst of a culture that thinks they're pursuing something that is enlightening and yet it's only going to lead to deeper bondage and yeah deeper chains when like we know that like true freedom and true like enlightenment is found only in Jesus in the way of Jesus because he is the way the truth and the life so yeah those are a lot of thoughts and I am I like I don't think I have it figured out but yeah it's a it's a journey I feel like I'm learning through too as I just watch friends take a path that is discouraging. Well, and you said something that I love about that, that you're not shocked by it. And I feel like that's what we should all be saying is like, yeah, there's a new word put to this phenomenon, but it's nothing new. Like I'm going through again, like parts of Genesis and Exodus right now. It's like, look at history. Like this happens. It ebbs and flows and God is still faithful throughout all of that. And I also love this idea too, to look at, okay, what is actual truth that you believed? And what was this like Christian culture that we all kind of were raised on? Maybe I, like you were mentioning, Like I was raised in more of a legalistic background. And so, yeah, that isn't how Jesus lived in a lot of those ways. And we have to be able to actually get to know God's word and be able to separate those things. And then again, personally, not be shocked when Christian leaders and when our church fails us, because again, this is sinful people kind of living these things out. And so we have to be able to mentally kind of separate those two things from like God's character and broken people that are trying to live that out because we're going to always be disappointed if we're looking at the people instead of who God actually is. So I like that you said that. And I think it goes back to, we've talked a lot about these ideas that even like you said, like some of these things maybe people are believing are worth like deconstructing because maybe they actually aren't true. Like, are we living in a time where like, are we putting God's word up to that? And are we willing to like, I mean, like we were just talking about, like train up ourselves to actually know the character of God for ourselves in a relationship with him, spending time with him, you know, learning more about him? Or are we deconstructing something that actually like was just someone else's opinion of the gospel anyways? And so I do think, again, like speaking of flashy terms, it is kind of just this flashy idea that actually has happened all the time you know, for people to kind yeah. of like break down and yeah. really figure out for themselves. So 
Well, kind of speaking about this next generation, you talk a lot about Gen Z and kind of raising them up to be just this generation that, you know, you say you do have hope for them and you are you can be encouraged by things that are happening. What are your thoughts on this and why are you so passionate about that generation? And I'd also like to say, talking about our ages, our pastor here at our local church did a sermon this Sunday on Gen Z and he put like the ages. Did you know I'm only one year off from being a Gen Z? (gasps) That's how, how why you, you are. You are. I'm tw- okay. Well, maybe, was I one or two? I think it said 95. I don't remember, but yeah, I'm 27. There, it's like, I feel like most studies say between 24. Like 95 and 97 are like the starting point. I think Gen Z's are like right now around ages 9 to 24. That's what he said. Yeah. Okay. So I'm two years off from his, but I read something else. I'd call said you I a millennial. Okay. Millennial. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be millennials. Anyways, tell us about that and how you became passionate about that and what your thoughts are on all of it. Yeah. I mean, I think first it's like, gosh, I'm, I'm just a part of that generation. And so that's why I'm passionate about it. Like, I think I looked around at my friends in high school and desperately wanted them to know Jesus and saw such a, especially in Minnesota, like a hostility towards Jesus. And now living in Waco, it's more so like a, a facade. Like they like, they like think they're pursuing Jesus and and yet they're not convicted of sin. They don't like fear God. They don't want to like walk in full obedience to Jesus. And so I think there's, yeah, just like bondage of cultural Christianity. So I feel like I've seen both ends, like the the black and white of where I grew up, whereas like you either love God or you hate God. And now being in Texas where, yeah, there's just, it's muddy with like just being raised in Bible Belt and cultural Christianity. So I think I fell in love with reaching my generation because it was my peers. And I just found out quickly in high school that my friends at school weren't drinking because they saw their parents drink wine and thought it was cool. Like they're just, they're drinking what their friends drink. They're wearing what their friends wear. They're listening to what their friends listen to. And so I just knew as an ambassador of Jesus, I had to start telling my friends about Jesus with the hope that they would come to know him. And and I watched that happen in high school. Like me and my few friends who love Jesus, we would put on like these student led events that were not flashy because we didn't know what we were doing. And we would lead worship and my friends would share their testimonies and I would get to present the gospel. And in those, you know, two years, we watched over a thousand people like surrender their life to Jesus and truly like what I know to be revival. We watched it break out, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't flashy. It was a few high schoolers who were fasting weekly together. We were praying weekly together. We were in God's word weekly together. And then we would evangelize together and we would share the gospel together. And it was like missional living surrounded by like a context of community. And so I always tell people like, I don't have any faith in Gen Z. Like I'm not expecting Gen Z to just like pick themselves up from the bootstraps and start following God. Like that just, that would be a really like, I don't know, discouraging perspective only because like Gen Z on their own won't pursue God. Like they are dead in sin. Like they're deaf to the gospel. Their eyes have not been opened. And so instead I have faith in a God who has always like again what i said from you know genesis revelation like he has always preserved the people for himself he has always 
been faithful and patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so that's the God we serve. And so as someone who knows Jesus, like, I just want to be a part of what God's doing and he's invited us into that. And so why would we not like want to be a part of what he's doing to restore and reconcile every generation, but specifically, like if this is going to be the generation that God had me be a part of for such a time as this, like we got to be faithful. And there's a really sweet invitation there to help like open eyes and cause the deaf to hear and the dead to come to life because of the spirit of God in us to be a part of that, that reconciliation and restoration. So, yeah, I think without Jesus, my generation is just heading in a direction that is really depressing and dangerous and dark. And yet with Jesus, there's like, there's so much hope and freedom and joy and life. And I desperately want yeah, people to see that and experience the freedom that's to be found in, in the gospel of grace. So that's awesome. If you're not listening to that and feel like really on mission right now, I'm like, yes, I am fired up because really like this is what I've seen in you over time of just like getting to know you a little bit that like you were so on fire for that. And I love what you said that living for God is actually like just missional living in the context of community. Mm-hmm. I think if every Christian who actually said, no, I claim Jesus as my Lord and Savior actually said, okay, now I am missionally living for the gospel in the context of community. If we all actually claimed that as a mission in a kind of like, yeah, I don't know, chorus that we were going to live our lives on, then like what a changed world we would probably have yeah. if that's like was all of our belief, which that's amazing. And it changes everything, you know, yeah. like it's like if if Jesus died and resurrected from the grave, then like we can't help but tell people about that. Like if that is true, it changes everything. And so I think that's been like the deepest motivation of my life is I, I so desperately want God to be glorified. I so desperately want people to come to find that Jesus is more captivating than anyone else or anything else on offer. And yeah, there's, there's an opportunity for people to know that. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, Samantha mentioned the sermon that actually our pastor did this like a few Sundays back, but we will make sure to link that so you guys can watch it. But it was awesome. He talked about, you know, off of many studies, the number one desire for the Gen Z generation right now is justice and mercy. And they're really big into social justices, the justice of, you need to like own up for what you have done. That's a big thing to them that causes a missional type work is like really big for them. And what's so interesting is like essentially at the end of his sermon, he was saying like, the thing is, is that so many people will tell you that's wrong, but like, no, actually the desire for justice is a godly desire. That like Gen Z doesn't understand that like they're searching for something in this world that they will never get through someone who's voted into office or that someone who is like chosen to lead or a, I don't know, protest that is one or whatever that may be. Like that's never going to satisfy what Gen Z wants and what Gen Z wants is actually something God has put in them because God created them. Mm -hmm. And again, like what a changed and just like changed world we could live in if we were able to, you know, if everyone's eyes were open to that good news of the gospel. If we believe that like the greatest cause we could ever be a part of is the move of God in this world. Like I'm like, there is no greater movement 
than what the Holy Spirit is doing on this side of eternity to bring people to himself. And every desire we have for social justice will not be accomplished outside of the reconciliation to God and man through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I, that like amps me up because I'm just like, you're right. Like righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. And it is because we have been created in his image that we also crave that. And yeah, the, the only answer is found in Jesus. And so mm-hmm. praise yeah, God. That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. So obviously we're talking about all of this. You obviously like know your, you know, Bible. You are really passionate about talking about it. But like take us through to the person who's like, okay, how the heck? Like I am not as well spoken as Gabrielle. I totally believe this. But like, what does that look like day in and day out actually sharing the gospel with people? And what are some like actual tangible things that you're like, no, this is like what it looks like to be following Jesus and creating disciples of him? I don't know. And to be in relationship with him. Like, how do you meet with God every day? That's so good. I love meeting with God. I, I'm so in love with the Lord. And so I just, I can't imagine, like now I can't imagine life without him. So I think there's even that there. I'm like, gosh, like meet with Jesus. It's the best thing ever. But I'd say day in and day out. I love that question because it is a daily pursuit of Jesus. And I rest in knowing that like the Lord is going to continue to perfect and sanctify me and make me look more like him just because that's what he does when the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Like when we come to know him, transformation takes place because that's just what happens when God dwells in a human. And so I think that's led me to, I said this in the beginning, but there's, there was a deep hungering for God's word. And so every morning I spend significant time in the word. And I would just say to those listening, like, The rest of the world, like the moment you like go to school or you like get on campus or you're driving to work or whatever it might be, like the world is only going to continue to lie to us and the enemy is going to feed us lies. Like he's the father of lies, our own like sinful flesh, like we are prone to wander. And so it's been the greatest blessing to me in following Jesus to spend my mornings being equipped with the word and not just for the sake of equipping but also for the sake of just like delighting in God. Like if I don't start there, then my day, my day is just not as free. It's not as abundant. It's not as life-giving. It's not as like, I, I think without it, there's an insecurity and a fear that that comes as a result if I don't spend time with the Lord. And so that really just, that can look like something different every day, but Right now I'm going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so it just looks like spending time in a chapter a day and praying through like, hey, what does this tell me about who God is? And what does this tell me about who I am? And like, now what am I going to do from this text? And then spending time in prayer. Like I I think when I started to follow Jesus, that felt like a really hard discipline for me, honestly. And it came from like, I just don't think I believe that prayer was effective. Like I think I saw it. God's word as like super effective because it just like, I immediately got something from it. Whereas prayer took like, it took patience and it took depending on God for the sake of depending on God, not for the sake of getting something out of it always. And so for me, just like an easy handhold has been 
um, every time I'm driving somewhere, like throughout the day, I pray out loud on the way there. And on the way back, I just like spend time in like worship music. And that's like the idea of like praying continuously. I've never really understood what that meant. Like, I'm like, how do we pray without ceasing? But I think that rhythm has helped me like as I go throughout my day from one thing to another, like constantly being in communication with God and speaking to him as if he's a friend because he is and then as far as like making disciples I think it just starts with we have to create like a posture and a mindset to where we like we live with gospel intentionality like I mean there's a part of my week that is like I sit down with a girl that I'm discipling currently and we're going through a book right now called Glorious Pursuit and we are like in the trenches there. But there's a part of discipleship that's also like a as you go, like as you go, share the gospel. But we won't naturally do that if we aren't like living with gospel intentionality. Like if we don't if we don't actually believe that we've been given everything we need for life and godliness through the spirit. And if we don't actually believe that like there are eyeballs all around us who either know God or they don't. And like, that's the only distinction between them, then we're not going to live on mission. So it starts there of like, Lord, like create in me a heart that like longs to serve you, like create in me a deep love for who you are and a deep conviction that your way is best and, and inviting people into the way of Jesus is best. And as we grow and are conformed to the, into the image of who Jesus is. Like, I think that starts to naturally flow. And so for me, that looks like asking the Lord to open a door anytime I'm at a coffee shop or at the grocery store or at a Starbucks and like asking the Lord to just make it sweet and easy to bring like a really natural conversation where I compliment someone's shoes to like a spiritual conversation. And like, I always ask Uber drivers like, Hey, what do you feel about Jesus? Like, it's a really disarming like way to go about the gospel of like, tell me how you feel about Jesus. And the answers you get, like just are easy handhold to bring you into a gospel conversation because some people have been hurt by what they think or who they think Jesus is, or kind of, again, with the deconstruction, like people have ideas about Jesus that aren't true to who Jesus is. And so when you get to ask that question, like, hey, what do you feel about Jesus? There's an opportunity for us to help change and transform their idea of Jesus to a more true view of Jesus. And the only way we're going to be able to effectively do that again, is if we know God's word. And if we are prepared with a defense for our faith and always have a reason for the hope that we have and to speak with gentleness and respect. And so, yeah, become deeply in love with God and allow the spirit to, to lead you into moments and rhythms where we can live on mission so it doesn't have to be this like super crazy checklist thing but there's a relationship with Jesus that is is freeing and a relationship that doesn't have to be about our works at all but gets to be about abiding and pursuing the character of Jesus and as we do that it will produce works because that's what a transformed heart does and so yeah we we bear fruit proving to be his disciples but it comes from an abiding posture 
I know I threw out a lot, but no, no, that's, no that's so good. I mean, I think the one thing I'm like taking notes, even as we're talking, because I'm like, if any of us can take away, I think sometimes we get stuck. Like, what does it look like to spend time in God's word? I think like what even your thoughts are about, like, what does this tell me about God? Like read something, read a chapter, read something, you know, what does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about myself? And then what am I going to do with this? Like, what am I going to do? What am I feeling like I should do? Like, I think those three questions right there would transform and change a heart and mind in the posture of sharing the gospel yeah so that's awesome that, i love can that. i add one more thing yeah. yeah just because i'm like i can't not say this and and this is something i got from the church i was at watermark and we also do this at harris creek but i just say there's like it's really hard to do all these things we just talked about without girls in our corner who are cheering us on and challenging us and the girls i meet with weekly we talk about three questions each week how are you feeding your flesh? How are you feeding your spirit? And how are you feeding others? And the others piece also keeps us accountable to like sharing the gospel, making disciples, but the flesh piece, like keeps us in a posture of confession, the spirit reminding each other, like, Hey, this is how I'm feeding my spirit. This is what I'm reading in God's word. This is what my prayer life has looked like this week. This is what my rest and Sabbath has looked like. And I would be so like quick to wander if I didn't have girlfriends that are texting me every time I'm I'm alone with my boyfriend or now fiance or anytime I'm, you know, whatever, doing ministry and they're cheering me on and praying for me. And so if whoever's listening to this, if you don't have girls that love Jesus, get them. And if you do raise the bar as to how y'all are challenging each other and cheering each other on, because it's really hard to follow Jesus alone and it's not God's best. And it is God's best that we would have people in our corner to live on mission with. So I just wanted to add that because it's been everything for me. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, talking to you today has been really encouraging in my faith. I feel like proud. I know that's funny because I just met you, but I feel like proud that we get to be a part of also like encouraging us as older women too. like, how are we pouring into this younger generation and younger girls? Because there's a lot of, like you said, hope and cool things that I know God wants to do through people younger than us. And like, I don't know, it puts more of the weight back on us too. Like, how are we helping equip younger girls and just equipping each other? Yeah. So, no, I love this. I mean, I have said this about you before, but I love that you are someone obviously beautiful on the outside, but you are just someone who I'm like, it makes me excited to see people when I say the word magnetic, but you are a magnetic person who I think is doing really awesome things for Jesus and his name and like his people. And I think that's just so exciting when I see someone who people are attracted to and excited about where you're just like preaching the gospel and sharing God's word. So, and we see really, that it's really Jesus cool. in you. So that's yeah. amazing. Cause others are seeing that so too. Courage. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for talking to us today. Yeah. We know our listeners will love this conversation. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Oh my for gosh, sharing I love y'all. This has been such yeah, a Yeah, This is so Yay. fun. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.